Welcome back to the Dragon's Library. So today's episode is going to be a bit different than usual. If you've been watching my previous episodes, I've been, you know, hinting towards this for a while now. This is the start of what I hope will become a new series for the podcast. The reason for making this series is there are a few things I'd like to review that are part of long-running franchises. So in order to fully review them, I need to explain a lot about the series or the part of, which, you know, would then impede my ability to review the work itself. So, as a solution, I decided to start the reference section. These episodes will explain the background of a long series or franchise. That way, if I want to review something you need context for, I can simply say, hey, go watch the reference section episode. I've been working on this idea for the last two months, and I really hope you guys like it. Now that the explanation is out of the way, let's get to the first episode of the reference section. <clears throat> Gathered Friends Listen again to our legend of the Bionicle. Gods, I have always wanted to say that on, like, something, just anything. Uh, okay, for those of you who don't know, which uh, probably is most of you. <laughs> <clears throat> Bionicle was a line of Lego sets originally released between 2000 and 2010. The Bionicle sets were first released in what would become known as the Toa Mata. They were uh, set to release in Europe and... Australia. Later on, they'd be brought over to the U.S. after those markets served as a test case. The sets turned into a massive success for LEGO, and they'd be followed shortly by more sets. And a comic book, and a LEGO magazine, online games, short stories, a book series, six video games, released for console, um, a board game, four animated movies, and, you know, other stuff. Other toys, several McDonald's tie-ins, even. <clears throat> it actually was a pretty big deal for LEGO back in the day. This would continue until dwindling sales caused the line to be cancelled and the storyline wrapped up in the comics and online short stories. Most of the comics and books were written by Greg Farshti, and the overall story was created by a team of LEGO employees led by Bob Thompson. So you have Bionicle to thank for LEGO's new focus on uh, original IP with a story focus, like Ninjago or Chima. Now that we have the history out of the way, let's get to my experience with Bionicle. I was around five when I was first introduced to the Bionicle story, and was given a few sets as a gift. I also somehow ended up with a hardback compilation of the first four books. These would instill a love of the series that lasts all the way till now. I still own all the books, and I have several sets on display in my room. So if you ever see any pictures of it, you'll, you'll see. Uh, while I did enjoy building the sets, my attention ended up focusing on the story, which I guess is where we should start, since this is about the story of Bionicle. The Bionicle story can be pretty neatly divided into four major parts. Chronicles, Adventures, Ignition, and Galatorian. The initial setup is standard, though the setting is really what makes it unique. The first part of Bionicle, Chronicles, takes place on the island of Matanui. The narrator tells us that the great spirit Matanui came down from the heavens carrying the Matoran, a race of bioorganic beings with elemental alignments, to this Island Paradise. He then gifted Matoran with the three virtues, unity, duty, and destiny. You know, the elements of harmony thing. However, Matanui's brother, the Makuta, became jealous and betrayed him. He cast a spell over Matanui, causing him to fall into an eternal sleep. Makuta then began to torment the Matoran using his powers, and the control of darkness he, he had, to unleash monsters and attempt to subjugate them. The Matoran are divided into six tribes, each corresponding to an element. Tamatoran are fired and colored red. Gamatoran are water 
and colored blue. Lamatorn are air and colored green. Comatorn are ice and are colored white. Pomatorn are stone and colored brown. And Onumatorn are earth and are colored black. All right, before anyone asks, yes, they did have stone and earth. Lego wanted a six set to round it out. Moving on. The Matoran are each led by a Taraka. Think of them as old, wise Matoran. And they muddle along for a few thousand years. Note that as uh, biomechanical beings, none of the characters in the series are really that affected by age. In the same way that we are. So they just try and survive that whole time. The main story kicks off when six canisters washed ashore on a golden beach. Containing the legendary Toa. Warriors capable of controlling the elements who were prophesized to save the Matoran and reawaken Matanui. The Toa, Tahu, Gali, Lua, Kopaka, Pohatu, and Onua wake up with no memories of their past, and after finding their respective villages, begin their mission to protect the island. Each Toa can control an element and wears a mask of power, which grant them additional abilities. These masks can be found and swapped out for different situations. The powers vary greatly, and the Toa were not even the only beings to use them. They could create force fields, give superior strength, uh, speed, water breathing, levitation, invisibility, mind control, flight, and some later legendary masks could even control like fundamental forces of reality, like time or creation. The Toa then go on a few adventures, searching for masks, dealing with Makuta's minions, and figuring out how to work together. These adventures served to show just how outclassed they were. Uh, as the various forms of media explored the island, more and more questions started popping up. Advanced technology that seemed beyond the Matoran villages, the Taraka hiding secrets, uh, sort of like how Vakama had the legendary Mask of Time, and no one seems to know where he got it. All these kind of hovered in the background and really made some it, the series unique for me. It was one of the first pieces of media I had that really had me asking questions about the details in the background because it felt like the writers actually had a plan for them. And they did. Uh, Makuta was a really effective villain. Powerful and intimidating, always several steps ahead of the heroes. He unleashed the Borok swarms, and even after the Toa were transformed to the Toa Nuva with more powerful abilities and new masks, because this is a you know yearly release product, it didn't matter. Makuta was just untouchable. It was like he was playing a game and he was you know three moves ahead of everyone else. Then the Mask of Light happened. This was Bionicle's first movie, released in 2003. I actually want to review that someday, so be on the lookout. A few of you might even know this movie because it was uh, aired on Toonami on, on a regular-ish regular basis, and that's even where I first saw it. In the movie, Tumatoran, Jaller, and Takua find the legendary Mask of Light in an old cave. This leads them on a hunt, a prophesized hunt, for the Toa of Light. After traveling around the island, being hunted by Rakshi, who, just to stop for a moment, absolutely terrified me as a child. Like... They are really effective villains, especially in the movie. The really creepy design. They're like these armored shells with these snake or parasitic-like things that Makuta rips out of his own chest. They're his children, bits of his essence given life. And they are creepy. Like, really creepy. And they're supposed to be, like, really terrifying in, like, the Bionicle universe. Like, everyone's all scared of Rakshi. Even Toa are supposed to be scared of them. It's like, yeah, you get why. They're effective. Um, eventually, this leads to Takua putting on the mask and becoming Takanuva, the Toa of Light. He defeats Makuta, and finally the heroes awaken Matanui, discovering a ruined city, the old home of the Matora, Metru Nui. Now, this is where the story really picks up. 
the story continues in a new section of books called Adventures. Uh, these recount Vakama, the fire, the leader of the fire village, uh, gathering the other Turaga, the Toa, and a handful of prominent Matoran to tell the tales of this old city. Because it's revealed that they had lived in Metronui and were actually Toa themselves. Okay, so this is going to take a bit of explaining. The Matoran used to live in a massive city called Metronui, which is part of the Bionicle universe, located beneath the island of Met- Matanui. The city was protected by several groups of Toa over the years, and led by the wise Turaganuma. However, shortly before Vakama's tale, the current team of Toa begins meeting with suspiciously unfortunate accidents, until only one remains, Toa Lakan. Lakan, growing more and more sure that something evil is brewing, combined with the danger of a sentient plant called the Morbuzak that is threatening the city, decides to gift his power to a group of Matoran chosen by the Great Spirit. Lacan gathers the materials he needs to transfer his power, and on the way is hunted by the Dark Hunters, Niviki and Kreka. I'll probably discuss them in depth if they come up in a review, but basically Dark Hunters are a gang of thieves and assassins who members come from all walks of life. Ex-Toa, Outcast Matoran, Abominations and Experiments Gone Wrong, various other species from across the universe who don't really fit in. So Lacan evades them and hands out the stones to the Matoran he believes the Great Spirit wants. He reaches the first five of them all right, but gets captured when he gives them to Vakama. He manages to save Vakama in the process. Uh, Vakama is a Tomatoran and mask maker. This is why we found out that the mask can be made from these Konoha discs and the abilities and strength of the disc determined by the mask power. Vakama has been you know, commissioned to forge the Mask of Time, a legendary mask prophesied to be able to be forged by the best you know, mask maker uh, by Taraka Dume, but is having little success. When the Khan is captured... Vakama takes his stone and meets up with the other Matoran, Nokama, Matau, Nuju, Onua, and Wanua. These are going to be our new main characters for the period of adventures. At the Great Temple, as they were instructed. They place their stones into a shrine, the power turns them into a Toa, and they're given a message left by Lakan that tells them that they need to find their way, that darkness lurks in the heart of Metronui, and that something evil is brewing, you know. Cryptic warnings, because he didn't exactly know what was happening. He only had suspicions. Fakama reveals that he's been having visions ever since he met Lacan. Uh, these visions are something several Toa throughout the series have had, and they're believed to be the Great Spirit communicating directly with lesser life forms. Um, so, basically, Vakama tells them they need to uh, find the Great Discs. These are extremely powerful discs that could potentially be used to form the mass- forge the Mask of Time. Uh, these discs can only be retrieved by Toa, and it'll be a good way to prove their work to a, the city before they introduce themselves, basically. You know, a sort of, we are worthy of protecting the city, we did what no other Toa before us could do. They find the disc hidden throughout the city and use them to stop the more Buzak. They deal with some intrigue in the archives and a few other small adventures before presenting themselves to the city and Turaga Dume. But, plot twist, the Turaga doesn't accept their help. Dume embarrasses the new Toa and then tries to frame them for murdering Lakan. It's revealed that this is the events of the prologue, where Makuta struck down Matanui. Makuta is posing as the Turaga and hired the Dark Hunters to remove the Toa. He manages to put Matanui to sleep during the eclipse and imprisons the Matoran pods underneath the Colosseum. These pods, designed to wipe their minds clean and make them loyal to Makuta when they wake. 
This section is actually the plot of the second movie, and I really love Makuta even more in this one. Seriously, every time Makuta appears in the movie, his voice actor is just phenomenal. Really menacing. Uh, so this is a prequel, the Toa don't actually fully stop Makuta. They learn of his treachery too late, the true v- meaning of Makama's visions, and the Khan, now revealed to be alive as a Shuraka, shows them they must take the few Matoran they can and flee to a new land. They are confronted by Makuta, and Makama decides to buy time, the rest time to escape. He uses the Mask of Time, which he forged from the Great Discs, to get Makuta's attention. It is revealed that Makuta planned to use the mask to accelerate the pods, turning the years needed into days. Makama tries to use the mask, but is unsuccessful in controlling it, causing it to fall into the sea and Makan to die, shielding Makama from Makuta. The Toa Matrum, you know, after a great sacrifice, unite together and show they're more powerful than the bad guy. They combine their powers to imprison Makuta. They sail onward, and after a series of ventures, make it onto the island of Matanui. The Toa eventually return to rescue the Matoran, but the city is overrun by the Vizarak Hordes, a species of spider creature with mutagenic venom. The leaders are followers of Makuta and have this really uh, kind of fun idiot king and scheming queen dynamic. The Toa are captured, transformed, and nearly killed before being saved by some allies. They go on a few adventures, and the plotline gets a bit darker, focusing on the venom eating away at their minds. Uh, Vakana even goes traitor at one point before realizing what he had done and, you know, going back to the good guy side, because this is a kid's, this is a kid's series in the end. Uh, they manage to defeat the Horde, but have been accidentally free Makuta in the process. They bring the Matoran back to the island and sacrifice their powers to wake them up. This basically brings us back to the current story. Moving on to the next phase, uh, the Ignition storyline is sometime later. The Matoran and Toa have moved back to Metronui, but the Great Spirit is dying and will soon take the universe with him. The Toa and Nuvar are sent on a quest to get the Mask of Life to stop this, but are never heard from again and defeated by the Paraka, a band of former Dark Hunters searching for the Mask on Voyanui. So, a group of Matoran, who were recurring characters in the Chronicle stories, set out on a journey and are transformed into the Toa in Nika on the way. They defeat the Paraka, but before they can claim the mask, it flies into the sea. The Inaika head to, in, down to the depths and are mutated by the waters. Okay, quick info dump. The ocean around Voyanui has mutagenic properties. Those who go too deep are changed into aquatic monsters. The, this is actually where the most horrible prisoners and criminals and worst of the worst go. Uh, those who commit unspeakable crimes that even the Dark Hunters find inexcusable. The water changes them and acts as a prison, so even if they got out of their cells, they couldn't do anything. The uh, prison is now kind of in a ruins, and the pit is controlled by six warlords, the Baraki. Because they were all, because, well, there's always six with Bionicle to even out with the heroes, and they tried to overthrow Matanui a long time ago and were banished to the pit as a result. Fun fact, uh, apparently Makuta got his inspiration to overthrow Matanui from them, so that's interesting. The Toei and Nika are changed by the water and gain new masks. It was a really interesting change because it uh, somewhat shifted the team power dynamic. See, Jowler, the Toa of Fire, finds himself extremely weakened in an underwater environment, while Holly, the Toa of Water, is completely in her element. Meanwhile, Makuta is revealed to still be alive and is trying to manipulate the Toa of Ice, Matoro, throughout the adventure, since the Mask of Life has chosen him. As you can imagine, there are a lot of adventures and injury that accumulates in Matoro, sacrificing himself to give life back to Matanui. 
This section of the series was really cool, exploring a lot of mysterious plot lines, like a rogue to Toa called Tuyet, the Baraki's various schemings, a lot of side stuff with the this mysterious order of Matanui. Um, and in addition, it re they really played up the horror of the Baraki. There's even this underwater Atlantis-style city of Matoran, which is really cool. Uh, it all leads into the secondary part of the story, where the Toa Nuva has journeyed to the core of the universe in order to prepare it for Matanui's return. They find the place under the attack by several Makuta. Alright, yes, I, I do have to explain that. Okay. See, Makuta is, are actually an entire species. They are beings of energy in an armored shell. The Makuta who we follow is just Makuta Teradax, who encouraged the rest of his kind to rebel with him, and killed any who didn't join him, because Makuta is really evil. Uh, Teradax, who, uh, so the core is called Cardanui, and is even revealed to be where the Toa Nuva originally came from. <clears throat> After they succeed, Makuta and the Makuta in the core are destroyed, leaving Teradax as the only one left. Matanui is finally waking up, and it looks like a happy ending, but we have one more section, so no. See, this is where, like, the big twist that all the writers have been leading up to from day one happen. Because... This is actually one of the cool things about the series. They actually planned all of this a long time ago. The whole this whole next part was planned from the get go, or at least most of it was. Um, so Matanui is revealed to be a giant robot, and the entire universe was inside him. The island of Matanui was actually a camouflage system hiding his face. Makuta uses the reactivation sequence to override his consciousness and take over Matanui's body, imprisons him in the mask of life, and shoots him into space. Now, Bionicle fans have suspected these things for a long time. The whole Matanui was a giant robot deal was something the writers had planned from the start, like I said earlier. But it really made the whole thing amazing. It was one of the first stories I had where I could pick through years of continuity and find all the clues they left for us. So, while Makuta uh, began adjusting to basically becoming a god, uh, Matanui lands on the planet of Baramanga. Magna, sorry. Uh, not Manga. <laughs> He adjusts to being a normal being, albeit with command over Lice itself, thanks to the Mask of Life, and gets involved in the conflict with the local warring tribes. Going on some adventures and gaining some allies, Matanui discovers that he was made on Bara Magna, Mag Mag Magna, Magna. <laughs> sorry about that, in order to learn the secrets of the universe, come back and reverse the damage that transformed into a desert wasteland. They resemble a prototype robot, Makuta comes, and the two have their, you know, epic final battle. Makuta dies, and Matanui restores the planet. The beings of the Bionicle universe are then welcomed onto Bara Magna. Hey, if it feels rushed, that's because it was. Like I said earlier, the line had diminishing sales, and the series was kind of rushed to an end. The Glatorian era is probably my least favorite due to the sloppy rushed ending. Still, it was alright in the end. There were also short stories that continued online for a while and tried to keep things going. Written by Greg Farshi, they hinted at the great beings that created all this and some secret plot, but they were never really finished. In 2016, the series re rebooted and even got a Netflix series. But I hated it, and it was so different it didn't really matter. I don't really want to say anything more about Jin 2. I hate it. That basically sums it up. So yeah, that was Bionicle. Now, whenever I want to talk about Bionicle story, but don't want to feel like explaining what Bionicle was, I can link you to this reference section episode. Do you guys like this new style? It's a bit different from my usual episodes. I even wrote down an entire script instead of just a few notes. Don't worry about this happening too often if you don't like it. I plan to do, thing, 
this at most like once every four to six months. Uh, it was kind of exhausting, actually. Uh, the script ended up being five pages long. I should be back to my usual output in the next episode. Keep an eye out um, for my upcoming review of Bionicle Book Time Trap. I'm really excited to get to review it because this kind of why I did this whole thing. And I would really appreciate it if you indulge me by listening. I got most of my information about this series from rereading the books and comics, as well as the Biosector Wiki, which is a great source of information on Bionicle. You can also watch the movies on YouTube for free. Uh, they're just there, I don't know why. And find basically everything on Biomedia Project. It's an amazing site that has archived everything from old CDs to video games to promotional material, and even some fan stuff. The Bionicle community was really meticulous at saving everything that happened, and Biomedia is made, has made it available for free. You can find a link for all of these things in the show notes. If you'd like to keep up to date with the latest news and updates, you can follow me on Twitter at dragon underscore library two. If you want to support the podcast, you can also find a link to my buy me a coffee page in the show notes too. The basic donation is just a dollar and I would really appreciate it. I have to put a lot of time into keeping the dragon library going. So every bit helps. In addition, for those who sign up for the $2 a month uh, membership, you will actually get a, all the episodes a week, not a week, sorry, uh, a episode release schedule in advance. So if it's coming out on Tuesday, you'll get it the previous Friday. And if it's coming out on Friday, you'll have gotten it the previous Tuesday. Uh, in addition, you'll get access to a exclusive private Discord channel, which is where you'll be able to find the links to the videos. Uh, since Buy Me a Coffee doesn't allow me to post full podcast episodes yet. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.